And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 196, presented by CLNS Media and sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel and Facta Meals. My name is Connor Ryan, and once again, we are joined by very special guests here in 98.5 The Sports Hubs, Ty Anderson. Ty, what's going on? What's up, Connor? How are we doing today? I'm doing swell. I'm doing swell, Ty. Uh, the Bruins are also doing swell, uh, coming off a uh, convincing win over the Colorado Avalanche on Thursday night. And uh, I think Jim Montgomery kind of said it best that uh, since the Christmas break, they've been playing really good hockey. They've been building their game. But over these last three games, you have that OT win over the Blues. You have the 3 nothing win over the New Jersey Devils. Granted, they're pretty banged up, kind of, kind of like Colorado. But still, when you look at the Bruins and the game they're trying to build and getting a full 60-minute effort, uh, I think I have to agree with uh, Jim Montgomery. They're probably playing, I think, their most complete hockey, I would say, over this uh, last week. Yeah, and I think their win over the Colorado Avalanche on Thursday night is kind of, you know, that's their Mona Lisa of the year, I think, in terms of what they're able to do, uh, the in-game adversity they had to fight through. Uh, you know, that's a dangerous Colorado team, right? Like, they could come at you, even if you think you have it in the back, like they could score three goals in, in a matter of two minutes, you know, like they're that kind of team. So uh, I, I like their game a lot on Thursday night. So I think that's their best win of the year. Um, and I think, I think the biggest thing is that just what made them so great a year ago, you know, were those shut down third periods. And, and I think you look at Monday and you look at, you look at Thursday, like you got those. And that's, a, that's the biggest difference. I think, I think, you know, or maybe that's the biggest reason why, they may think it's it's their best wins or their best three games in a row of the season. It's hard to it's hard to deny them on that front just based on how they looked in those third periods. Yeah, no, especially when I think you look at the way the Bruins kind of control that game. Yes, you'll take the hat trick from David Pasternak. Of course, you've got you know DeBrus continuing to play. I think really well over the last couple weeks here. Guy like Lauko finally you know gets off the Schneid, finally gets a goal there, and that's a guy that if you want to have that fourth line. Uh, eventually gain some identity and have some guys that can impact the game and give you some momentum. Having a guy like Lelko feel confident about his game is obviously key, but I think we've talked about this before. The biggest issue with this team so far has been like the, the D zone lapses. You know, you look at the personnel they have here should be without a doubt, one of the best kind of defensive teams out there. And there's been way too many games, especially early on in the year where you, again, empty net, you give up a goal, you lose an OT, which seems like it happens every time they go to OT, but uh, it's, it's a situation where this defense, the way they've been shutting guys down, like they took control of the game in the third period against the Devils. And then, as you said, Colorado, who have more than enough guys that can just take over a shift and can kind of be a cheat code to get you a goal. Colorado, I think, only had four shots on goal in the final 20 minutes of that game. Like you look at this team and yes, you'll take the added contributions up and down the lineup. But I think the foundation of this team, we knew this going into the year, was going to be elite goaltending and really stout defense. And I think you're seeing them play more to that identity because I don't care what you want to say about, uh, you know, the amount of talent they lost in the off season, play games like that where your goaltending is on and you can shut down uh, desperate teams in crunch time. You're going to win a couple of uh, playoff games. You keep on playing like that in April. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think that, you know, you, you, what, what makes last night, Thursday night so impressive is that, you know, you don't have Carlo. You still don't have Derek Forbert. And you're holding McKinnon and Rontanen, like you're holding them at bay, right? And, and Makar, you know, I, what I loved is I love Coyle's play on Makar. You, you know, like 45 seconds into the game, that happens and boom, they're on the board. Like 
that's like a statement shift, right? That it's not going to be an easy night for you. It's not going to be an easy night for your top talents. And I think that goes a long way. And so your leaders lead, your goaltender is your goaltender, and you kind of go from there. But defensively, given what they're missing right now and given that they went with a load up, you know, up top with, with Lindholm and McAvoy together, I think that's what makes it even more impressive is like you are able to entrust guys that you typically wouldn't entrust with certain minutes. Right. And they didn't drown. And I think that's a big difference between now and, you know, maybe when they were hitting their lulls in December is that they couldn't rely on those guys to play those minutes and they had to lean on the star players every single shift and it took a toll on them. So I think that's what I like the most about it as, as well. It's just that, you know, as you noted, but also like just that defensive, buy-in from all six guys was I thought was phenomenal on Thursday night yeah it's actually crazy when you look at the way this team is structured and the amount of like unsung heroes is something that uh, Evan and I talked about earlier this week is like as like a first half review there's so many guys that have pulled on the rope that have exceeded expectations or have carved out set roles we've talked about JVR we've talked about Heinen like what guys like Geeky Shattenkirk uh lately Parker Wellerspoon has been playing really really good hockey and we'll talk about him in a, a minute here but um, in terms of unsung heroes, though, granted, he's in a top six role, but the the way that Charlie Coyle has erased so many fears about a critical spot in the lineup, you know, it's one thing where I think last year people started to really, you know, glean his value as a defensive force, right? Like he was kind of their third line shutdown guy. And when Charlie Coyle is on, he's such a pain to kind of account for in the offensive zone, but he's so uh, uh, defensively accountable. He's such a big body that can make plays, as you saw in that game yesterday, but his overall 200-foot game this year has been immense. And you'll take the fact that he's on pace for 30 goals, 60-plus points. He's driving play. Um, he looked good with Marcian and Pasternak as a, kind of a top-heavy line uh, early on in that game. But uh, if we're looking at unsung heroes, the amount of uh, fears that I think a guy like Coyle has calmed down for this team, you can't really understate how huge he's been uh, for this team. Oh, he's been gigantic. He's He's been absolutely gigantic. And... You know, there was a play uh, in, in the, the waning moments of Thursday's game where he's in a one-on-one battle with Nathan McKinnon for a loose puck, and, and Coyle wins it, and he really frustrates McKinnon. McKinnon wraps his arms around him and tries to slim him down. He's pissed off. He realizes he just lost the game. Like, But that's what – when Coyle's moving and he's playing his game, like, he's such a nightmare for anybody. Like, the size, the strength, the reach – you know, the, the defensive acumen that has gotten noticeably better over the last year and a half, like it, it makes it hard for the opposition. And, you know, I think it's really interesting, you know, uh, on Thursday night, their top two centers go a combined 22 for 35 at the faceoff dot, you know, like that's, that's another ingredient, you know, to their secret sauce of, of how they win games is when their centermen have strong nights at the dot, like it, it helps kind of, you know, bridge the gap between them and a star powered team like Colorado, I think. And, 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 but Coyle, I mean, it's funny. I had, a, I got a tweet last night before the game saying like, would he be an all-star like, or an honorable mention for an all-star? And it's like, he's playing excellent, but there are so many great forwards in this league that it kind of flies under the radar, how good he's been for this team this year. Yeah. It's also crazy. I think you, when you hear like a lot of national people talking about the Bruins and we'll talk a little bit later on in the show about like trade deadline ads, everyone still mentions like, well, they could use a center. It's like, I don't know. You've been watching them that much this year. Like again, maybe down the road, like you, you want to find that probably proven solution. I know there's uh flashy guys out there that you can look at further down the road, like a uh, Lindholm or a uh, hurdle, what have you. But like, 
Bruins, you know, played on the middle has been far from their biggest issue this year. Even like, I think Zaka's had good games there. Frederick, when he's shifted over, has been pretty solid. But um, yeah, like that's not been the biggest issue for this team. Like Coyle may not be flashy. He may not be what, you know, maybe national media was looking at as a proven top six commodity. But like he's done more than up. It's not like he's just with, you know, Martian and Pasternak and his his stats are getting juiced up because of that. Like guys being a, a 200 foot player that's impacting the game in a variety of ways. I mean like that, that play to steal the puck from Makar, who's so good when he gets his feet moving there, stop the play kind of in its tracks and then like feed it over to Poster and I get a goal a minute in like that is an impact player making an impact move there to set the tone early, which is really good to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if you're asking me straight up, what are their needs at the deadline? Like center's probably number four. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's probably number four for me. I would I would say number one would be a, another high impact left shot D. Number two would be a winger, like another scorer, perhaps. And then I'd say a, you know a physical fourth liner who could maybe turn tides. You know, like you lost with Milan Lucic. And and then I'd say center, like because yeah. I think that you know there's time to acquire one of those players. But I don't know if that is the biggest difference between them winning a Stanley Cup in 2024 or not. Like they're going to need some bounces and some favorable things to go their way. But ultimately, that's like a longer term issue that I think you'll have multiple chances to address, you know, beyond the 2024 trade deadline. So that's why that takes a back seat, as well as the play of Coyle, Zaka. You mentioned Frederick, you know, Patra. Geeky's been solid when moved to the middle as well. You know, Johnny Beecher has been a great defensive zone uh, center option. I think under the radar in a lot of respects. So like they have enough centers. I think it's just, it's everywhere else that I'm like, if you want to make a, a deeper push, like that might be the the more, you know, prudent move. If there's any to be made this deadline season, the, this current like roster almost kind of reminds me of uh, like Vegas's rosters over the last couple of years, like before Eichel showed up where it's like, you had guys that maybe people didn't view as being like proven top six centermen, like a guy like Chandler Stevenson, where it's like, all right, like this guy's definitely exceeding expectations, but he's not the best fit. When I think people now realize like a guy like Chandler Stevenson, like Coyle can be a very good top six guy in terms of impact in the game. But for Vegas, it's like, all right, we know we probably eventually could use an Eichel, a franchise centerman, but like we'll solve it eventually. Like we still got a lot of talent. We still got pieces in place, but uh, we're not like going out there trying to get one right now. Like when the right situation happens and if you're the Bruins and it's fucking, you know, Thomas Hurdle wants out and they can eat up some of his contract or, or something like that. Clayton Keller, when like eventually Arizona stops being good once again and they run out of money and they're playing at like the YMCA and they want to move that contract. Like eventually I think the Bruins like are in a spot here where whether it's this free agency uh, this upcoming summer or down the road, They'll solve it, but right now it's not like it's something that's tanking their their chances this current season at all. Yeah, it, it's funny you say that. Like, like who were the Golden Knights centers? You know, before Eichel, it was like William Carlson, Stevenson. They had Eric Halla for a hot minute. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tomas Nosek, I, I think, played center for them. He played a little bit yeah. of wing too, but like that was truly like a, our talents on the wings and on the back end yep. and in net. And, and we're, we're that team, right? Like, so that's really interesting. That's, that's a really interesting comp. You know, I've always, I've always said that they're going, the Bruins right now are going for the Nashville model where Nashville had all these horses on the back end yeah. and it, it, and they had the great goaltending and it made them, you know, a, a contender, maybe not a favorite, but a contender, you, you know, all those years. So um, 
I think that, you know, like when you look at their play right now, I think it's silenced a lot of narratives. Like it's silenced a lot of narratives in terms of like, A, they're going to be bad. B, their centers aren't up for the task. Like, like, yes, they could use a high impact center. I'm not going to say they could. Every team could. Every team could. But right now, with a four point whatever million dollar bonus overage and, you know, having to dig in the in the bargain bin, like you are getting a lot from your centermen right now. And and that's it's very far on the bottom of my list of complaints right now. I think when it comes to this Bruins team. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, we'll keep on talking about the current uh, makeup of this team, especially with some reinforcements on the way for the Bruins. But before we do that, let's take a quick break and hear from our good friends over at FanDuel. The NFL season is wrapping up, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Now, the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Once again, shout out to our good friends over at FanDuel. All right, Ty, when you look at this team and the way they're playing, uh, it's good news for the for Boston in terms of the fact that you're also having a lot of reinforcements back. I mean, Linus Olmark is already active. It looked like he blew out his hip, his groin, his knee, whatever the whatever worst-case scenario sure looked like that was going to be the case uh, in Arizona. Miraculously, he misses, what, five total games? He's already back on the ice last Saturday. Um, so the Bruins dodge a major bullet there. Brennan Carlo and Matt Potcher are on the brink of returning. Um, they, you know, sure if that was a playoff game, you probably have them potentially back for uh, Thursday's game against Colorado, but they're right there. Derek Fulbert's still a little bit of a ways away, but still he's back on the ice. It's good news for him. And he's been a guy that I think we all know how good he is on the PK, but his five on five numbers this year have been pretty zany in terms of how impactful he's been. So uh, all good news for the Bruins in terms of just having more capable guys back there. But, 
specifically looking at the defense when this team is healthy. And again, that's maybe best laid plans, right? You never know what one guy comes in, another guy comes out to get injuries, but if they have like their full assortment of guys and you've got Carlo and Forbert and you know, you have Parker Weatherspoon, who again, we, we mentioned earlier, but he's playing really strong, simple hockey now. Um, who are kind of the odd men out? Cause I think we look at like Lori obviously is the, you know, the first guy that sent him down to Providence, have him keep on working on his game should benefit all parties but then who is it is it grizzik the odd man out like how, how do you think the bruins are going to approach if they have a full six-man unit and how they kind of tinker with that decor yeah it's a really great question i i think the easiest first guy out is mason lowry um just so you can get him more minutes down in providence you know versus playing 12 to 13 14 minutes up here every night uh but then you go beyond that and i think Watherspoon and grizzlick that's a real conversation right now and, yeah. and you know, Grizzlick just hasn't looked like Grizzlick consistently. I think he's had some some really good games. Um, I thought the game that he had in Vegas was tremendous. Um, yeah. But overall, like he's a guy that you're 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 seemingly consistently asking for a little bit more out of this year, and you just wonder what that means for him. You know, like we we've talked about the playoffs last year, and he's a scratch. You, you know, uh, and a key moment. Um, and then you look at his usage this year, contract year, typically, you know, I, I think that, and this is a weird way of saying this, but like, wouldn't Sweeney have taken care of this by now? Like, it's not a contract that's going to hold everything up. Right. It, it, it's a very, or anything like that, you know, right. It's a very Kevin Miller esque kind of contract. You'd think in terms of hammering that out, that hasn't happened yet. And, and so, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a weird year for him, right? And Walter Spoon has been great on the left side, the right side. Now, he has limitations. That's very obvious that he's going to have limitations. But if you're just putting them side by side right now, it's hard to take Walter Spoon out of this lineup right now. It's just really hard, I, I think, to do that. So you may have a legitimate conversation there uh, between bet between Walter Spoon and Grizzlick, especially if they're going with a Hampus Lindholm, Charlie McAvoy top pairing. Right. Yeah. That, that's the whole thing. Because again, in a perfect world, and we've mentioned this before with a guy like Grizzlick, like you can talk about the limitations, talk about the playoffs, which again, I don't think he was really a, a net negative last year against uh, Florida's, you know, forechecking and all that pressure. I think it was a couple of other guys that had far worse series still like the writing's kind of on the wall when he's only playing 13, 14 minutes a night in a playoff game gets scratched. Uh, who knows how that game six would have been different uh, if, you know, he's in instead of like a guy like Clifton, who just unfortunately had like a, a really rough game. Forbert had a really rough game there. Um, but like that was the first sign of like, does Montgomery not view him as like a long term asset? Because I think there's a lot to like about Grizzly when he's on his game, especially in terms of his versatility and how I think he also elevates other guys. Like the the play he has with McAvoy has been well established for years, but that's probably been the most shocking thing is, all right, you know, you can say individually that. You don't like Grizzlick's game, what have you. But when he's with McAvoy, McAvoy tends to play better. It's like a line you don't have to worry about, a pairing you don't have to worry about. Montgomery can put those guys together, can put a very, very good defenseman in Lindholm with Carlo. You're all set. Your top four is locked in there. Hasn't been the case this year. I think the Bruins have only outscored opponents eight to seven when Grizzlick and McAvoy are out there when they've been a five-on-five -five cheat code for years, right? Like they, they've been about as steady as you can get in terms of how impactful they can be at five on five play. So 
I think when you look at like Carlo, obviously coming back, you know, you slot him back in there and like Fulbert's a guy that maybe going into the year, you're like, all right, like maybe you can swap him and Grizzly out or what have you. But like Fulbert's been pretty solid. Like again, like the PK has been good. Weatherspoon stepped in, uh, in those minutes. Again, he's not flashy as you said, but is playing simple, smart hockey. That is not, you know, putting him on the, the wrong side of highlight rules where he's trying to do too much or getting burned in the D zone. Um, but like the fact that I think Fulbert's had a really strong year that when he does get back and again, who knows what this nagging injury, like whether it's going to be managed, what have you, but uh, it's definitely makes for a, a tough conversation. Cause like, I don't think Weatherspoon's a guy that you want to be, you know, sending back down to Providence, having him being put on the wire or anything like that, because he's been solid. Even if he's not starting every day, like Weatherspoon's kind of what you're looking for is like an ideal seventh defenseman, especially for the playoffs. Like that's a guy you want to bring in for a game or two. If you need to change the complexion or, maybe add a little bit of sandpaper to your game because he can provide that. 100%. And I think the other part of that too is that, uh, so, and people know more about this than I do. I admit I, I am not off the top of my head well-versed in the waiver wire rules and, you know, what an emergency recall is versus non. But I believe because Watherspoon is an emergency recall, he doesn't have to go through waivers. Mm-hmm. But But if he is, you want to avoid that regardless. Yeah. Like he's a guy that gets scooped up by somebody who's defense needy right now because he's cheap and he's been playing well. He's been playing well in, in, in an elevated role on a good team. So, you know, listen, if, if Spencer Martin gets claimed, I, I think Walter Spoon's going to get claimed by somebody. That's just how yeah. I feel. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, like, like Forbert's in, you know, and, and I think he's in whether you like it or not. He's the rock of the PK. He limits the exposure of hard, heavy, you know, high leverage minutes for guys like McAvoy and, and Lindholm and even Carlo, you know, mm-hmm. to, to a degree, like, so he's going to be in and it really comes down to who, who's going to sit. So I think with Watherspoon, I think that what's really impressive about him to me is that like, I don't know about you, but during training camp, I didn't see anything. I was no. like, oh, okay, no. this is just, this is a Providence. This is Tommy cross, you know, like, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. and like those guys have, value obviously but i didn't see him pushing for the spot whereas ian mitchell and mason lori were, were looking like well, okay wow you got something here but but i think with with walter spoon like he's really come on and he's coming into his own and i think comfort is, is the biggest thing with him right now like he's kind of a guy that jim montgomery and, and joe sacco can clearly look at and say yeah go do this and they're not worried about it they just know it'll get done it may not be pretty but it's gonna get done yeah, absolutely. So definitely some tough decisions for the Bruins. Again, I think we're expecting Kahlo back as soon as possibly Saturday, or if not, you know, in the next couple of days. Fulbert, we'll see. I think he's still probably technically week to week. Like they've Montgomery said, he's still just starting to get back up to a swing of things. And I think when you're considering how much that lower body injury has been really bothering him all year, really, take your time. Especially when you like your defense is playing like this right now and you have guys like Wotherspoon or what have you. Um, you've got the time to let that guy rest up and hopefully be ready for when the games really start to matter in March and April and all that kind of stuff. So uh, obviously some tough decisions there uh, before we go to our uh, next uh, commercial break here, I figured we should might as well talk about the, uh, the rumor going around Ty about one Patrice Bergeron. I know it's been, uh, uh, yes, yeah, yes. It's been a, a bit of a flurry here with obviously uh spit and chicklets mention, uh, you know, breathe life into a potential rumor Bergeron skating, uh, Bergeron uh, reaching out to the esteemed Steve Conroy, the Boston Herald, has denied it. 
uh, I can't see any situation. Again, like there's a lot of secrecy involved with some of these things. Bergeron is not a guy, a guy that tends to keep his uh, cards close to his chest anyway, but I, I have to imagine that's not something that's going to be uh, an actual viable discussion as we get to the second half here. I'd be very surprised. Um, you know, to your point, yes, the Bruins will make it a point to break it themselves. Yes. there, There is a, he's the most protected player. I think out of anyone I've ever covered in my life in terms of like, they will not let you scoop Bergeron. Like they yeah. will not, they will not let it happen. Um, and, and you respect that, right? Like, like Bergeron's contracts are broken by the team. They're not broken by anybody else. Like no. it was the same thing with Chara towards the end, right? Like Chara's contracts were broken by the team. It, 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 so I think there's a respect factor when it comes to any former captain of the Boston Bruins that they like to up- uphold. Um, Bertrand doesn't strike me, and I'm curious if you feel the same. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would go back on what he says. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't yeah. strike me as, like, the Brett Favre or the Tom Brady type, and that's not a knock on those guys. But, like, the way that Bergeron looks at things – sorry, I got a light falling here. I, I got a ring light trying to make me look nice, and then I turn it off so I look like shit anyways. But no, I, thought Doom, I, thought Doom, I thought Doom was jumping into the shot. No, like no, I'd, well, I'd, I'd welcome yes, that. Yes, no, of course. Um but he doesn't seem like the type that would go back on this, right? Like, it just feels like he kind of truly realized, okay, my body's cashed. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. Yeah, it's something where uh, I think with Bergeron, when it comes to his own game, his approach, he's always been, I think, refreshingly candid with that. Like, for a guy that's playing in a Stanley Cup final with cracked ribs and a collapsed lung and all this shit, like, uh, he's, I think, very upfront when it comes to like every athlete uh, in the battle against father time, knowing when, you know, the, the run, the run has kind of ended here. Um, and yeah, you could make the argument as has been the case in this whole week. Like, ah, comes back fresh for February and March. You limited his minutes and run for the playoffs. Like, that's great. Like that's the storybook ending. Everyone wants the same as last year when everyone thought that was going to be the storybook ending. But uh, whenever like Bergeron has spoken to the media or has had interviews since he's retired, the um, one thing that I always think stands out to me is one, he seems like he's very much at peace with retired life and embracing this kind of next chapter as opposed to it, you know, lamenting the fact that what you've built your whole life around that chapter has ended. I think he's got a pre- appreciation for that, but also being candid of like, listen, I'm sure there's plenty of times he's watching a game or he thinks he still has a little bit of gas left in the tank as every uber competitive professional athlete is, but then you take your first hit in the game back and that whole complexion changes. And he's been kind of candid about that. So I I agree with you in terms of just Bertrand's overall approach, how he has uh, mentioned things in the past. I just can't see it being a, uh, a thing where he uh, kind of switches that narrative and tries to make another run. When again, the toll it takes the amount of damage that he's put on his body already. I think he's just enjoying retired life and uh, I'm sure he'll be back to the playoffs as a, fan banner captain and the garden will lose its shit but i think that's kind of where he uh is going to be when you get to april and may as opposed to on the ice yeah and and the other part of it too is that at the end of the year he told us that he wasn't going to get surgery for the back yep. injury that he had isn't that kind of a sign that that you're done if you're not going to get the surgery for a back issue that could pop right back up you know so that's another reason why i think that he's he's legitimately done it's over Enjoy, enjoy the 19 years, but don't bring it back for a 20th because, uh, or don't get your hopes up rather for a 20th because I don't see it happening again. That's just how I look at things. 
the Bruins themselves could, could, you know, the Bruins have lied to me about Bergeron in the past. <laughs> there are things I've heard and things I've asked, and, and I've been given answers that are straight up lies. Yes. So I don't know what to believe, but I don't think he's coming back. I don't think he's back. He's doing commercials now. He's doing alumni games. Like, I think he's done, man. Yes, exactly. And if uh, by the time we drop this podcast, that a graphic comes up from the Bruins being like, Bergie's back. Don't yell at us, please. Don't yell at right, us. We, right. Because I know that could actually also be the case. So, uh, Ty, before we wrap up this podcast, let's take another quick break here and listen to our good friends over at Factor Meals. Get started on your New Year's resolutions with Factor so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from each week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. No more wasting time in the kitchen. Not only does Factor offer fast, simple solutions when I'm too busy to cook, they also help me stay on top of my goals. With offerings like Protein Plus and Keto, I can stay on track. This is definitely going to come in handy for my New Year's goals. So head to factormeals.com poke50 and use code poke50 to get 50% off. That's code P-O-K-E 50. Factor Meals, your go-to ready-to-eat meal delivery service. And now... Let's get back to the show. Once again, shout out to our good friends over at Factor Meals. Ty, we've hit the point. We're in the dog days of the regular season. We know it's inevitable. There's going to be some trade uh, trade rumors, trade discussions coming up. Trade deadline, I think, is March 8th this year. So we know once the calendar flips to February and the hot stove starts heating up, I'm sure we'll uh, have to write a couple of things about trade targets, potential fits for the Bruins, potential needs. But I figured we might as well get ahead of it. So I think we're both on the same wavelength here. Should Bruins fans really be expecting a, a lot of, uh, you know, there'll probably be rumors. The Bruins are always, they're like the Red Sox are interest kings. They're always linked to guys out there. But should Bruins fans really be uh, getting revved up for a impactful or even like a any sizable news coming out of this deadline? Because it really doesn't feel like this is a year the Bruins are going to go full throttle to steal from another uh, franchise in terms of acquiring talent at the deadline. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not getting all that horned up for the deadline. You know, if I'm the Bruins, um, I, I just don't see what move you're going to make that, A, you can afford to make, B, you have a stomach to make, and C, you know, is truly worth A and B. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, you could get Elias Lindholm, sure. Well, you could also get him July 1st, right? Like, uh, barring him you know, going full Bo, Bo Horvat here and getting traded and signed an extension immediately. Um, which at this point, if I'm him, I kind of want to see what my options are on July one after being in Calgary for so long. Yeah. Um, so I just don't like, and then you look at the list of guys available, right? Like this is not a knock on these players, but like sports that release like their top 25 trade targets, right? Guys on that list are, are like, it's like Daniel Vladar, it's Andrew Peaky, you know, it's Adam Boquist. It's like, wh- what the hell's going on here? Like, is, is this really yeah. a great deadline um, for buying? I, I-, I think that a-, a-, a huge problem, Connor, if you look at this, right? Like, go and look at the players that are on expiring deals. The majority of them are on contenders. 
They're not going to yeah. get traded. So who's out there? You know what I mean? Like, and, and if you're saying to me, oh, well, you can get a, you can make a John Michael Lyles move or at least empty act move. I'm good. I'm good. I'm all yeah. set. I'm all set. Thank you. I'll take my chances with what you have here. Yeah, no, I agree. It's something that I think the only one that I view as a, like a marginal upgrade that could fit an area is like, as you said earlier on, like if you find like a, a proven fourth line guy that can, you know, you can put in, you can pencil in, you add some identity to that fourth line, which I think has probably been the biggest issue with that, with that grouping is just like, sometimes like you need like a Hathaway this year because <laughs> yeah. he could really be a, a guy that can give you a goal or two can, you know, finish with five, six hits, you know, has done it over a couple of years. He's not like a, you know, like a guy like a Greer who has shown in spurts, but you maybe, you know, you talk yourself into like, all right, you know, 75 plus games with him in there. He can carve out a role, like a proven, like fourth line stalwart, maybe is a guy that'd be worth getting. But again, it comes down to the price. If there's not that many like proven guys that fit that kind of identity out there. And if they are on the market, it's going to be crazy expensive. It's like, you look at guys like Luke Shen or these guys that, um, you know, third pairing D that can kill penalties and, log a shit ton of hits like those guys are going to go for a premium price because everyone covets those kinds of players at the deadline so i agree like i don't see this being a situation where you've got uh a guy like elias lindholm or anyone like that like noah hannafin all those guys if you're the bruins you wait and see what the free agent market dictates because uh one you don't want to give up the assets now when you have the chance of signing them anyway a few months down the road but also comes down to the fact that you look at the way this the the caps is cap situation is on this team where i think they've got what like fifty thousand in cap space like you're going to be moving a piece or two just to uh fit these guys on the roster you're subtracting from the current grouping anyway so i i think the way you looks at you look at it if there's going to be any moves i feel like it's going to be more marginal than anything there'll be lindholm rumors there'll be all that stuff the bruins will be interested but i can't see them being the ones that that make that move like it's been a great year this is still a kind of a bridge year that has exceeded i think everyone's expectations but I also don't think you should deviate from the path of like having it be a year. Get you know, don't trade a first round pick. Have a run at it. You've got younger guys developing. You got a shit ton of cap spaces off season. Stay the course because you're already on a, a path that I think a lot of other teams, whether they're contenders at the end of their rope or play or teams that are trying to build themselves, they would kill to be in the spot you're in right now with the way your the foundation of your team is still set up. I have a name for you. Yes. And, and, and I don't know if this is realistic. I have a name for you on that front. He plays in the desert. He had a run-in with, with the Bruins last week. Liam O'Brien. Liam O'Brien is in the final year of his contract. He's making league minimum. Uh, has over 100 hits. We know that he fights. We've seen that before. He had a career-high 11 points a year ago. Like, is that an example of somebody that, you know, you maybe look at and say, okay, that's that's an upgrade over, you know, say Oscar Steen, right. Yeah. Or, or Jesper Boquist when you're, when your team is fully healthy, like that might be a guy that, you know, could make sense for them. But, but your point, we just, what you just talked about, like, is his market juiced up? And now right. it's like, okay, listen, we're not trading a third round pick for Liam O'Brien. Like we're not doing right. that. You know what right. I mean? Like, like, is it one of those kind of situations? But like that's a type, like that's the type that you're kind of talking about. I think, right? Like just that fourth yeah. line, get it on the four check, be a little bit of a piece of shit, you know. Like toe that line between, oh, this guy is just hard, and oh, this guy's an asshole. You know what I mean? Like yes. there's a little difference there. You know, Hathaway kind of has that. He had that, mm -hmm. and, and 
you know, so I think Liam O'Brien is a guy that I, I'd watch out for. You know, maybe maybe that's something that, you know, that's a trade that could materialize or make sense for the team. What I would say is that Arizona loves to ask for the moon with any of their players. They sure maybe fucking do. Maybe, maybe there's not a fit there, but but you know, he is one of uh one of two pending UFAs that the Coyotes have up front. All their UFAs are on the back end. So yeah. You know, you wonder maybe there's a little bit of a of a trade that could happen there, materialize, you know, between now and the deadline. But you're talking about those kind of players, and I, I think again, the problem is that a lot of those players are on teams that are are in the playoffs or in the hunt. And you know, Arizona, they're not totally out of it yet. They they're, no. they're five points out. They have the game in hand over the second wild card team, which I believe is L.A. right now. Um, so like they're a team that you know, like they like they could make a run. You never know, but but if not, that's a name that I'd watch from the Bruins. Yeah. Liam O'Brien also from Hingham. At least it sounds like his name yes. sounds like he's a man from Hingham. But yes, Arizona, again, not the best, I think, trade partner for most teams. You know, I believe they asked for the deed to TD Godden in order to get Oliver Ekman Larson uh, yes. in discussions before. So, uh, but that is a team that I always mention, like Arizona, as you look at like the guys fit like what the Bruins are looking for over the years, right? Whether it's like Lawson Krause was a guy people mentioned before. William O'Brien now still keep on going on the Keller train in a couple of years when eventually they're going to move on from that contract. Um, team that's definitely worth watching as they, again, who the fuck knows what they will be, where they will be playing in a couple of years and all their insolvency issues. But um, no, I agree though. A guy like O'Brien, someone like that, that it's kind of the player you look for that in like one game of a playoff series drops the gloves has a huge hit that shifts momentum, gets a greasy goal, and you're like, he's worth it for for what that game was, right? And I think especially fourth line, the biggest thing, I think you've got pieces there that there's a lot to like when they're on their game with a Beecher or like a Lauko who finally gets a a goal going. But getting identity and having a a framework there, and I think when you had a guy like Lucic in terms of setting the identity, makes a lot of sense how those pieces fall into place. Obviously, it's not the case now. So if you're able to get a guy that um, is tough to play against, can, you know, bring along a lot of younger players that also play off of motion like a Lauko or uh, a Beecher and have that infectious energy of, um, you know, being physical, taking the body, all those things. I think that can kind of go a long way, but if I'm a Bruins fan, I look more at those kind of players as opposed to uh, a top six guy or a top four D or anything like that. So definitely something worth uh, keeping tabs on as we get to the trade market. Um, Ty, before we wrap this up, uh, where can we uh, read your stuff? Where can we listen to you? All that good stuff. Yeah, you can find me on 985sportsub.com. Uh, you can hear me on Saturday mornings. I'll do a little call in for the hockey show there. Uh, you can also find me on X at underscore Ty Anderson. And uh, that's where I'm at. How about you? Over at boston.com where we have uh, game recaps, features, columns, breakdowns, all that good stuff over there. You can also find me on Twitter, X, whatever it is, at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Uh, so you can find all of my stuff over on those various media outlets. So uh, once again, this is uh, episode 196 of Poke the Bear. I'm Connor Ryan. That's Ty Anderson. You fans have a great rest of your week.